What is up, Fantasyland? We have a big, big, big show with a big guest from the rookie big board. We got Matt Hicks. We are so excited to have you back tonight and talk rookies, Matt. What can the people expect tonight? JD, it's an annual tradition at this point. We're going to preview this rookie class. We're going to dig in deep. We're going to find some sleepers. We're going to talk some top targets. I'm excited for it. Love it. We got our boy, Andrew, too. Let's kick this thing. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We are back in the district, back-to-back, rookie-loaded shows. We had John Lobb last week. I missed it. Make sure you didn't. Go back. I rewatched it. It was loaded with goodness, especially if you're in tight end premium. Whether you're doing best ball, dynasty, or redraft right now, you want to be the first to know about these rookies to get an edge in your league. And like I said, we bring in Matt, we got Andrew, and we've got our boy Dan coming in sweet right behind an intro. Dan, welcome, brother. Thanks, man. We, we, we go to the intro. No Dan. We come out of the intro. There's Dan. Dan's there right. I am. That's right. Walking in. In. He's, he's got to take a sip. That's all right. Let's get back to Matt. Matt, how pumped are you for tonight? Remind the people where to find you and your awesome, awesome Patreon that comes with the Rookie Big Board. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, Rookie Big Board, you know, I'm on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. All the content's available, patreon.com slash rookie big board. We got the rookie rankings here. We got the rookie big board discord. We're already prepping for the rookie guide. We have a drop date on that March 31st, 100 plus pages of goodness, just three bucks a month. So if you're going to dig the rookie content tonight, I'd encourage you to head on over there, continue the conversation, man. But I'm fired up, dude. It's rookie season. I feel like getting on the GOAT district, it's always one of the first guest spots in the cycle because you guys are ahead of the game. So it always feels like a nice little uh, kickoff here to draft season. Yeah, and I mean, we're super pumped to have you. you like you said, you, you're coming on regularly. I don't know how many years now, but your material just gets better and better. What John and you do on that channel, on that podcast, is just dynasty gold. I call it dynasty gold, but really, like I said, it, it applies to every format of best ball, doesn't it, this time of year, Matt? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, the thing about it is, you know, to, to study rookies. I mean, we're studying guys from freshman year and college on, right? So, you know, we kind of have this full understanding of guys, whether it's, you know, dynasty, 
uh, you know, Devi, but especially redraft, man. I know we were talking about this. That's the value with these rookies. Like if you hit on these guys in redraft, there's going to be some real good returns. So you're never going to get better value, right? That second year, you're always going to pay for the sophomore. Like good luck with Ken Walker next year, right? You could have gotten him cheap this year. Little teaser there. And and, and we're going to talk with 10, 10 guys that could be league winners for you guys, even this year as we go into 2023. 20, as we get to the show, Dan, I know you're big on, on studying the, you know, the different formats, especially getting on the rookie early in the season. I think you, like many of us have seen benefits of doing that in all formats. Yeah, for sure. And especially, you know, this time of year in best balls, um, you know, there's a lot of people who really don't know a lot about the rookies, you know, and of course there's, there's this, the same, you know, 10, 12 rookies that everybody's talking about and everybody is like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, two or three of these guys on my best ball team. But a lot of times the value comes even later. Um, being able to, to pick those rookies that end up surprising with their, their draft NFL draft position and going a lot higher than people expect. And consequently having a lot more rookie year value than people expect. And sometimes you can pick them up, you know, like in the teens or twenties rounds, uh, pretty easily. Yeah. So we're here to reap the benefits, Matt, of your of your work. And, you know, before we get into the details, why don't you talk a little bit to the audience who maybe aren't as familiar or even are might not know what your process is to learn about these players. Do you watch these guys in college? How far back do you watch them? How much video do you watch? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, man, we're, I'm collecting information on what I would call a live watch, right? Like I'm somebody who on Saturdays is in front of that TV from about noon to, you know, for watching Hawaii 3 a.m., right? If we can get the caffeination going right. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of live watch on these guys through the year. Um, and then coming up until the year they're draft eligible, right, that summer beforehand, I'll go in and I'll put about two to three games of tape on about 45 to 50 guys in the class. So, you know, I'm doing that summer scouting work even the year before. Some of the guys that I expect to be the top eligible players – and then as the season goes on, it's just accumulating tape, accumulating tape. So, you know, each of the, the top guys in the draft, you know, that top 24 to 36 guys you mentioned most people might know, you know, I'm getting about five to six games of tape on them over the course of two or three years. And over the course of time, I think is a big piece of, of getting that film review in, right? Um, and it's full game film, not just watching the highlights. And then you know, we're going to go ahead and compare that to production profiles. So, you know, my process is tape based, but we're taking into account production as well. And then where I think I differentiate a little bit here is my formula is baked in here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have a pretty good ear to the ground on projecting NFL draft capital. Um, and that is a big piece of my formula as well, because we know that projects to volume. And then my formula actually uh, projects out both short term and long term fantasy football value ties right into my dynasty rankings. So we've gotten it to a nice place. You talk about the evolution of the process, JD. We finally evolved to the place where now that rookie ranking, it's a direct correlation. You can look at the dynasty rankings and you can find it a one-to-one. -one. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool that we're at this place. It's a combination of a lot of things, but it's fantasy football focused NFL draft scouting is, you know, it could be summarized in that way. Yeah, it's great, man. Especially when you're seeing a lot of these mock drafts, you see NFL versions of mock drafts. Now you get to watch you and Lob, rookie specialists doing fantasy football, real mock drafts, basically. And you've done you've done five or six already. 
Yeah, I think we I think we uh, just wrapped up version 5.0. I gotta I gotta like uh, make myself pump the brakes here. I was like, I think it's time for 6.0. Then I was like, you know, well, let me no. give it another week or so. No, man, keep them keep them com- coming. They've been great. And guys, like I said, if you haven't checked out Matt's channel, go check it out. The rookie big board, guys. Let's kick 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 this off like macro, Matt. So just looking big picture, give us your thoughts on this class when you're looking at the different position, maybe rank them. We asked John this question, curious to see how that lines up with your thoughts. Yeah. Overall 2023 class, there's going to be a lot of good value in this class. You know um, I'm excited for the top of the class, but man, I'm excited for the second round of, of the class. I think there's going to be some real good value down board this year. Um, and you know, things will kind of get sorted out as we get to the combine. And as we get, you know, to the actual NFL draft, we start to understand draft capital. But I got to tell you, man, there's guys right now that I'm putting in the third round of mock drafts that I really, really like. And I think have the potential to be, you know, wide receiver, running back, two, three borderline types. And that's part of my process is really appreciating those guys that are going to plug into your flex spots or, you know, we saw at the end of this last season, right, uh, be starters for you uh, when when the injury bug is just uh, – you know, demolishing your roster. So it's, it's good at the top. You know, I think if you go back maybe to uh, 2021, right, you might be more impressed with the top of the class, but the the depth I think is really going to help round it out and make it overall. I think we're going to end up feeling better about the 2023 class compared to last year's class. Although, you know, we had the conversation, I think that class was slept on and we saw that progress through and play out on the field this year. So I think we're going to see that, uh, but even improved with the 2023 class. If we're breaking it down by position, I think just naturally with the Bijan hype at the top, I would give the running back group overall uh, that that priority. I also think just in terms of value and ADP, there's going to be a big uh, push up at the running backs just because last year's class fell off in terms of depth at the running back position. So I think folks are going to be hungry to fill that. Um, and for me, you know, you have three really good guys at the top. Bijan's in a tier of his own, but then Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans are both a really uh, good close tier two for me. Then you get down to guys like Sean Tucker, Zach Charbonnet, Tank Bigsby, all guys here who could push, you know, that, that late first round, early second round rookie ADP. So we could end up with four or five guys with uh, near first round ADP at the running back position. Um, and then for me, you know, next, I'm actually going to go wide receiver. I think most people would say quarterback next, but I think this wide receiver class is being slept on. I think a lot of folks are scared off because they're seeing NFL mock drafts that aren't, you know, putting three or four guys in the top 20, you know, overall NFL Mm -hmm. draft picks. And I think that's scaring folks off. It doesn't scare me off in my process. My draft capital is extrapolated a little bit more than that. And I'm not scared at all about guys who might go off the board starting in the 20s, right? That 20 to 50 range overall in the NFL draft, it's going to be hot. We're probably going to see over half a dozen guys go off the board from the wide receiver position. So the hesitancy isn't that the NFL doesn't appreciate the guys at the top of this class. It's that there's so much depth. There's not going to be as much uh, priority to to start taking those guys off the board early, right? Um, Quarterback, strong. Uh, Maybe not as strong. There's going to be some question marks. There's a little bit of volatility, right? Uh, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, if those guys hit, it's going to look like a strong class. If they don't, it may end up looking like a weaker class. But compared to last year, I still think it's an improvement. And guys, this tight end class is probably the best one we've seen in three or four years. Um, you know, in terms of 
uh, Mayer and Washington at the top, but then you get guys like Kincaid, Luke Musgrave. Uh, there's a lot of uh, even Tucker Craft coming out of South Dakota. So the tight end class is good as well. Uh, you know, I actually, you probably can make an argument for tight end over QB this year, just, you know, relative to how down the tight end position is. I have one reaction to all that, Matt, is I know one team at 24 that I wouldn't mind uh, taking a wide receiver uh, <laughs> there. So I, I'm also not scared off of uh, wide receivers in the 20s. You know, it was interesting. My last mock draft video I did, I sent, uh, I want to say JSN. It was definitely, it might have been Addison uh, to Either. Jacksonville. And I had negative comments. They, no. you know, the, the Jags fans were saying that, you know, with Ridley coming back, it didn't make sense. And I was like, Dude, let's get all the weapons. You know, this is Trevor Lawrence. He, he's a piece or two away, right? Like, let's let's give him all the weapons. So I'm, I'm not going to de derail with a bunch of Jags content. All I'll say is I'm going to spam your DMs with all of my uh, insult to the <laughs> who's, who's the, move the Who's the move the six sticks guy again? Uh, Jeremiah? Daniel Jeremiah, he, he, yeah. He was talking today. I, I, I heard something quick. He was talking about his mock draft and how much hate he gets. So, you know what, Matt? You're up there with the big ones uh, and, and the hate they get. You can't please everyone, right? When especially when it comes to mock drafts. So Dan, why don't we? Uh, it sounds like there's something for everybody, which is nice. So like you know, whether you're into drafting uh, running backs, whether you're into drafting receivers, even tight ends. For you crazies that that spend uh, that that value on on rookie tight ends, Dan, why don't you kick this thing off? Let's start uh, dissecting this draft class and get the goodness out of it. Oh, you're on mute, brother. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I, I do think this is going to be a fun class for running backs. Uh, from what I've seen, I'm, I'm very interested to see what Matt sees, though. Um, so, obviously, we got B. John Robinson. We, we feel like he's going in the first round of the NFL draft pretty much for sure. How high do you think he can go, Matt? You know, it's going to be interesting with B. John. If you look at the actual NFL draft order, you can actually identify multiple teams in the top 10 that you could see a scenario where they would take him, right? You look at Atlanta there. We've seen Atlanta consistently be aggressive for offensive weapons in the top 10. All right, you see Carolina there, probably not likely, but possible. Uh, Vegas is there, probably not, but possible. Even Philadelphia sitting there at 10, it would kind of buck their draft trends, but they might be in a position of being able to take that luxury pick. But then it's kind of, there's a big drought in terms of teams that could uh, legitimately take a running back in that 10 to 20 range. And then it seems to be there's some more options once you get into the 20s. So it'll be interesting to see how Bijan's draft capital actually breaks out there because he could go for me as high as seven, or I could see him potentially sliding to the 20s just based on positional need for those teams in the middle. Okay, cool. Um, do you think there are any other running backs that are likely to go in the first round or are we talking second, third round for anybody else? I think we've got a shot at Gibbs sneaking into the back end here. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking maybe in the in the late 20s. You know, one thing that I like to mention when it comes to draft capital is I, I don't uh, break it off by the rounds of the NFL draft. Um, so when it comes to the way that NFL front offices approach draft capital and the way that they value picks, uh, they don't, you know, uh, generally come to a consensus that there's 32 players worthy of a first round grade each year, right? It usually lands somewhere between 18 and 22 guys that across consensus NFL front offices view as worthy of a first round pick. 
So my my break in that draft capital is actually pick 20. So, you know, Gibbs could come off the board, pick 25, and it actually is the same value I would assign to somebody coming off the board as late as 50. 20 to 50 is my next range. So, you know, Gibbs, uh, barring some, you know, major, uh, uh, I don't want to say reach, but major jump in his value here, is probably going to end up with the same draft capital as a guy like Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, maybe even Zach Charbonnet sneaks into the top 50. And that's still very good draft capital, just to be clear. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I, just to kind of finish off, I I want to get um, Matt's approach on the running back position. What what are the biggest factors you're checking off before the NFL draft? As far as like, what are you looking for? And then, do you let landing spot influence your or even scheme influence your decisions on where to where to place them in your uh, rankings or not? Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely let that affect it. But looking at here, what I value in the running back, the the trait categories that you know I break down at the running back: speed, explosiveness, athleticism, vision, strength, pass catching. Those are all weighted a little bit differently here. I do place a big emphasis for fantasy football purposes on pass catching ability, right? And when we're talking about this year's class, that's what makes B. John Robinson so special. You know, I've had a lot of people say, you know, what makes him as a running back so special? And he is a special runner, but it's really his ability to be a pass catcher. You know, Texas would line him up out wide as a wide receiver. And I got to tell you, he rivals the top tier wide receivers, his ability uh, to run routes here. So, you know, that's an example of how pass catching could really elevate B. John Robinson and that's why I think he has a legitimate argument to be dynasty running back one right now, even though that seems ridiculous hype for a rookie, you know, but certainly speed is going to be huge, you know, going to the combine, running that 40 time speed, I find can be more of a negative as opposed to a positive, right? Like some guys will get boosted, but generally off of tape, we know who's fast and who's not. Some guys though, will go to the combine like Kyron Williams last year goes to the combine runs slow as draft capital gets a pretty big hit. Um, and then one thing that I look for too, which is I think the hardest trait to evaluate and why sometimes we come to such a disagreement on running back prospects, it's vision, right? The ability to see the field. I don't think that's something that a player develops at the NFL level. So if I don't trust their vision from the college level, then I'm it, it's a huge negative for me. But vision is is a hard skill to quantify, even for trained NFL scouts. So I think oftentimes when we're arguing about running back prospects, that's really what we're arguing about. Totally makes sense. Matt, jumping back to uh, Gibbs for a second, and slightly off script, by the way, which is kind of my MO in this and in, in life. Um well, I guess one we know we heard from Lob last week that he came in as RB three overall for John. Interested in where he falls in your rankings, but more so as you think about that, is there any like um, have you thought about how Alab like the Alabamas or the Georgias of the world maybe do some like self scouting um, in advance of like the NFL scouts? Like Gibbs, by the way, you know went to Georgia Tech and absolutely killed it there, and you know had. Had maybe the big boys realized, you know, you know, sooner in the recruiting cycle that he was the man, maybe he never would have ended up at Georgia Tech. But obviously, for his last year, um, went went to Alabama and absolutely still crushed it there. Is there any thoughts to like, hey, Alabama has done a great job already of kind of giving us some indication of this guy moving from a Georgia Tech to an Alabama, um, and how that may, might translate to how some of the uh, NFL draft thinkers 
are uh, considering him? You know, I think that's an interesting correlation, right? So uh, an Alabama or a Georgia is going to have uh, the lead with a lot of running back uh, recruits coming out of high school. So I know you mentioned Jameer Gibbs and the transfer portal kind of folds into this as well, right? Um, so when you see Alabama and Georgia are consistently pulling five stars, that's because they are. They're able to identify those guys as top talents um, and then, you know, work them into the program. So uh, those those recruiting stars that are assigned by, you know, companies like 247 Sports, on uh, on three recording or, or one recruiting, yep. um, you know, rivals, rivals, those stars are actually based on the the company's evaluations of the uh, that player's NFL draft potential. Right. So they're not they're not evaluating them as college players. They're actually evaluating them as NFL prospects. So it makes sense there. There's that correlation between Alabama and Georgia being able to soak these guys up. But I do think there's something to be said too about those specific programs of their ability to bring in five stars. And a lot of these guys, you know, wait their turn, especially at Georgia. Georgia uses that rotation system. Alabama running backs tend to wait their turn and they'll even have five stars transfer out along the way. Right. So I think it says something when a player graduates from Georgia, graduates from Alabama, because oftentimes they have two or three years of development behind them in, you know, two of the best programs in the country. So, you know, I, I think that kind of feeds into that. I hope that answers the question. No, yeah. And that's kind of agreed. I mean, not to, not to put words in your mouth to kind of lead the witness, but I, that's kind of where my mind was at, where, especially where you're saying the transfer out. I mean, Alabama was so interested in Gibbs that they pulled him in for a single year and then yeah. put them more or less above some of the other guys that they were able to self-scout in-house, that they've had in-house for quite some time. So that kind of uh, is interesting uh, to me as I think about Gibbs. But um, I, I've talked too much about Gibbs. I, I guess, like, ultimately, where, where do you have him overall um, in your rankings compared to kind of the market? Yeah, Gibbs is running back, too, for me. I love his burst. I love his his sharp, quick footwork. Actually, I noticed in the live chat here, somebody mentioned when I was talking about speed, they prefer quickness over speed. You want quickness. Jameer Gibbs is that. You know, quickness comes in a lot of different formats, right? But you talk about that quick, sharp footwork. He's a shifty runner. He has that lateral quickness, that ability to move east and west around the field. Um, you know, I've heard some folks say that they're not as impressed with Jameer Gibbs tape. And to that, I would say you have to really go in, like watch four or five games of Jameer Gibbs tape. And you really start to appreciate the subtleness of his game, the way that he can make defenders miss in tight space uh, with, you know, breaking SEC defenders here with, with, with subtle movements here. It, it looks effortless. He's a really fun runner. You know, I do think that it will be interesting to see how he's employed volume-wise in the NFL. I could see an NFL team wanting to pair him with another running back, but unfortunately that's the situation we're going to get for the majority of starters, right? So, yeah. you know, Gibbs is going to fall in terms of my ranking for him. He would have been just slightly above Kenneth Walker last year, who was my okay. running back one, who was just slightly above Brees Hall. So I would kind of group him in that same value range. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's – it sounds like a compliment to me, Matt. Yes, definitely a compliment. Yeah. Sticking to um, running back, Matt, Ken Walker, you know, injury aside, as a guy we're bullish uh, here in the district, especially doing redraft and best ball, he was kind of one of those guys you can get uh, late and reaping rewards uh, as we have, especially the weeks where we produce. Is there a, is there a Ken Walker in this, in this class that, that you see that maybe that surprise guy that we can – get a little later in these best balls uh, right now as we, as we firing them up. 
Yeah, that's a good question. I don't see Ken Walker was so interesting to me because uh, I felt like he was in the tier one, but nobody would talk about it, you know? So I don't know if we have that guy because I do think folks recognize Bijan and Gibbs, but somebody who, who I think in his, in maybe in that tier two, that's not getting that same level of, of love. And if you had John on the show, I'm sure you heard about Zach Charbonnet plenty last, uh, last week here, but I'm a big fan of Zach Charbonnet, you know, six one two twenty. I think he moves extremely well for his size. He's super light on his feet. He's a patient runner, which I think can really pay dividends at the NFL level, especially if you get him behind a nice offensive line. Yeah, real subtle elusiveness. He works really well between the tackles. You know, I mentioned with Gibbs, it might be hard to project volume because there's not too many single backfields. But, you know, you put Zach Charbonnet in an offense where he can be the the two-down back and he can be really effective, right? So put him in Buffalo, right? Let James Cook be that third down back, that change of pace back. Give Sharp 14, 15 carries a game. And most importantly, he gets it done at the goal line, guys. So give Sharp those red zone touchdowns. Those are the types of things you look for in a second tier running back for me. And I don't, you know, say second tier as a knock. Still think that could be a nice, you know, we're talking, you know, mid rounds, right? Maybe like eight, nine, 10 in, in the best ball setup. So you would know that a little bit better, but you know, that's to me is where I would project in my head, Zach Charbonnet right now, back end of day two draft capital. So, you know, round two, maybe round three of the NFL draft. Just to, again, off script here, between the top two with Bijan and Gibbs, what, what is there a comparison like with regards to the gap that we see between these two running backs from previous years? just to maybe give people that are not as familiar with them a feel as to where they want to draft, you know, or how much they want to maybe move up in their drafts or move back. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm flipping back a couple, I'm flipping a couple big boards back here to see if I could give you a good, uh, a good comparison point here. I think, I think what's tough is that Bijan, you know, currently projects for me right in the top of my dynasty rankings. Right. So um, Bijan right now in my dynasty rankings is, you know, just about in that same range here as McCaffrey or Barkley, where Gibbs to me, in terms of the number that I have assigned to him, is a little bit closer to uh, J.K. Dobbins or Travis Etienne. So, you know, that might give you a little bit of an idea of how I value them differently, where I think Bijan, boom, we're talking tier one guy right away where Gibbs is more, uh, you know, in that what I would call my league winner tier, which is your, you know, borderline running back one, two guys. So maybe, you know, projecting him to finish running back 10 to 16 type range. Yeah, totally makes sense. What uh, what are some names we can look for of, you know, like guys that you are a little bit more bullish on than maybe what the consensus is right now? I know there's there's not a lot of consensus out there, but we're starting to get to that place. Um, you know, what are, what, what are, what are some names you keep looking for and you, you just don't see getting talked about that much on Twitter or, you know, in, uh, in rookie forums, right. Running yeah. backs, specifically yeah. running backs. Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad you steered me. Cause I was going to start going <laughs> off on, on, uh, we don't, we don't want to give all the goods. Uh, <laughs> no, no, guys, no. and guys, smash that like time. Sorry. Oh, uh, okay. Good. I'm glad you steered me off. All right. Uh, one guy. Okay, I'll give you uh, at least two guys here. You'll have to, you might have to cut me off. Uh, one guy I really like is Eric Gray, uh, running back out of Oklahoma. Gray started his career 
collegiate career at the University of Tennessee. So there's a little bias here with, with my Vol fandom, so take that as you may. But, you know, two years, two productive years in a really boring offense. It wasn't this exciting Josh Heupel offense. It was the boring Jeremy Pruitt offense. Uh, he ends up transferring amid a mass exodus at the University of Tennessee when Pruitt got canned for the recruiting violations, right? But then you look at Gray's uh, recent tape here, you have a sneaky good prospect, well-rounded skill set. He's a shifty runner. I like his ability to explode off the line of scrimmage. You know, you see his ability to shoot into that second level. He might not blow away the 40 time because his long speed isn't going to be as strong as some other guys in the class. But getting those first seven yards off the line of scrimmage, he has the ability to do that effectively. He's quick in space. He runs downfield with good momentum. You know, we're talking about a guy, he's 5'9", but he's going to come in about 210. So it's a, it's, a, it's a nice, you know, Aaron Jones-esque, you know, frame to him. Uh, he's aggressive. He fights through the end of plays. And I think he's a super underrated pass catcher as well. You know, Eric Gray had the quietest 1,300-yard rushing season this last year at Oklahoma. So I, I really like him. I think he, to me, is that borderline day two, day three guy. I could see him going in like that Michael Carter, Damian Pierce draft range where it's day three, but it's right at the top. Maybe it's a team that waited to pull the trigger on a running back and he could find his way into, you know, 10, 12 carries. Um, another guy that I like a lot is Roshan Johnson coming out of Texas. Roshan Johnson is the lesser-known running back out of the Texas backfield. He did split volume with Bijan Robinson coming out of there, but he's 6'1", 223. It's an NFL frame. This is somebody who I was hearing even preseason that NFL scouts had him identified as a day-two prospect, even knowing that he wasn't going to get the volume or the attention necessarily that Bijan Robinson was getting. I know NFL scouts really appreciate his pass-blocking ability, which is going to bump up his uh, NFL draft capital. But you look at that size, like I mentioned, 6'1", 220, nice speed, good athleticism for that. He's a powerful back. You know, we're talking about probably a two-down back guy, but great contact balance. He's aggressive. He's physical. I could absolutely see him, him being a red zone weapon. So kind of every year, you know, we get that guy that sneaks into the back end of day two of the NFL draft. Um, and, and we're like, whoa, where did this guy come out of? I could see that being Roshan Johnson this year. That's nice. awesome. Um, yeah, we've had so, a couple questions on uh, yeah, Achain, too. Let's get that before we uh, we move on to Andrew. Achain, yeah. Achain's an interesting guy. You know, this is going to be, you know, I, I've seen opinions all over the place. So he's coming in at 5'9", 185. That might be a little friendly. You know, he's currently ranked as my running back eight, and it is boosted up by two things, his speed and then his draft capital. Draft capital is going to come along with speed. So Achain is fast, fast. You know, we're talking about a guy who uh, probably will be the fastest running back, if not, you know, top five fastest guys overall at the Combine. But we don't want to double count, right? So we already know he's fast. He's going to burn in a straight line, great breakaway speed. I think NFL teams are going to value him as a special teams guy which is good because it means he'll be on a roster, even if he's kind of struggling as a running back right away. Uh, but it keeps him on a roster, which keeps him fantasy relevant. He's quick enough to beat linebackers to the edge. We see some good lateral agility for him. And for his size, man, he holds up against SEC defenders. Now, I don't know if that'll translate very well to the NFL. So with Achain, 
you know, for me, it's really going to come down to fit and volume. And Dan, I know that's a question you asked earlier, and I don't think I actually circled back to it, but Achain's a great example of, you know, we have to see how he's going to be employed in this offense. We shouldn't take his draft capital, you know, at face value. We always have to look for some context behind that. And so he's some he's going to be somebody where will he get, you know, 15 to 20 touches a game? Are we going to be relying on manufactured production? I always skirt away from players that are going to rely on manufactured production. It's one of my rules. So it'll be just interesting to see where we land on him. I don't see him getting any higher than running back six for me at max. Um, but, you know, certainly somebody who's going to be in play. Sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, no. So I just, I, I figured before you know, we, cl- we close out with running backs, do you mind, Matt, giving your quick rundown of your top 10 uh, in order and then maybe – um, whether they're on your top 10 or not, somebody maybe uh, that you're more skeptical on um, and lower than consensus. So, so somebody that's on the on the top 10, but lower than consensus or complete off your top 10 and then certainly uh, lower than consensus. Yeah, so we kind of talked about the top guys, you know, Bijan, Gibbs, Evans, uh, Sharp at the top there, mm-hmm. Tucker mixed mm-hmm. into that. Um, you know, two guys who I think are in that back half of the top 10 for me that I think deserve a shout out. You know, you're looking at Tank Bigsby, my running back six right now. I really like Tank, you know, 6-0-2-10. He was a good runner at Auburn. He kind of just got schemed out of relevance, and that coaching staff got totally fired and replaced this year. So the definition of a guy who I think is going to be a better pro than college player in terms of production, and that means fantasy football value for us. So Tank is a guy who you might get in the back end of your second round. And then another guy who's skirting under the radar but is is sliding into my top 10 is Dwayne McBride out of the University of Alabama, Birmingham. 5'11", 215. You know, McBride is one of these guys that could really burn in the 40-yard dash. He shoots off the line of scrimmage. He attacks gaps with tenacity. He speeds up while accelerating in that straight line. You know, if you look at a guy who just has that explosive potential, it's going to be McBride. I feel pretty good about projecting him in that, you know, 75 to 100 overall range in terms of the NFL draft. So that's back end of around three. So I think we're going to like his draft capital. He'll be interesting to see the landing spot on. I like it. And then uh, before before we move on, I guess I know that there's been a, the name Israel Avocanda really quickly. Is he is he in your top 10 or is he out of your top 10 uh, in terms of? Yeah, yeah, I've seen plenty of Izzy hype going around. I like yeah. Izzy. Uh, he's actually my running back 19 right now, so it's much okay. lower than consensus. Yeah, um, it's it's draft capital based, folks. You know, when we're looking at at guys, he wasn't invited to the Senior Bowl. Uh, that that tells me um, a lot about um, you know the NFL draft capital. I like him. You know, I I call him a slingshot running back, right? Like he has the ability to break it open with every touch. He accelerates well, that classic downhill runner style, um, you know, can one cut nice turn up field. Um, you know, I actually got to see Izzy play live this year. I went to the Tennessee game at Pitt oh, and awesome. it was it was the Izzy show like he he tore up that Tennessee defense. So I got to see him play well live. Um, so, you know, he's a little bit down board for me, but we see this every year, guys. You know, if you're high on Izzy or, or any of these guys that are projected day three at the running back position. These guys can find relevancy, man. We, we see it all the time, rounds five, six, seven. So if you're in on them, even if that draft capital doesn't turn out, you know, you just just take it cheap. Use your fourth-round rookie pick on them instead of your second-round pick, right? Like, that's why they exist. Yep. Well, it's all about opportunity, right, with the, with the running backs. 
if, yeah, if we look at receivers um, to switch it up a bit, you don't from historically, it doesn't seem like you put uh, as much weight on, on route running as some analysts do. Last year, you presented Trey Burks in, in, in that through that lens. Maybe elaborate on that and then give us or our, our audience an idea of what factors you do really weigh heavily on when you're analyzing the, uh, the these receiving uh, prospects. Yeah, absolutely. So route running is, is one piece that when I first started this process, man, I put a lot of time into, right? Like I was, I was charting the routes. I was, you know, counting them. I was, I was looking for stemming. I was really getting into it. And, you know, what I found over time is that there was not a strong correlation between the, the player's ability to, to run routes at the college level and their ability specifically for fantasy football production at the NFL level. I think there's a few factors that go into that, um, one of which being that an NFL team is, is going to draft you into their scheme. Um, and sometimes that means they're going to ask you to run the full route tree. Like, for example, CeeDee Lamb was a great route runner. He's my wide receiver one that year. And Dallas wants him to run routes and so they give him a pretty diverse tree other guys you know you look at dk metcalf seattle says you know we need dk to, to run these routes and, and he's certainly improved as a route runner over his nfl career but you know he wasn't somebody that would have charted out well as a route runner in college and he's still a very effective player so route running is absolutely still part of my evaluation i think it gives you really good context to understand the player and to understand the fantasy football projection you can put them in, right? Um, but it's it's not going to uh, weigh down a player who isn't technically refined, right? Um, you know, Jerry Judy was very technically refined. It still took him a while to, to hit that wide receiver two benchmark, right? So um, it, it's in my formula. It's just weighted a little bit less, but it helps you understand the player, right? So a guy like Jalen Hyatt, he doesn't run a, a diverse route tree, but you don't need to, man. If you're Jalen Hyatt with his speed, man, you break those slants, you run that corner route, you can work that deep post, the vertical. An NFL team is going to draft Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver out of Tennessee, to, to, to spread the field, right? So he only really needs to be able to execute those three routes. And my goodness, does he execute those three routes? So, you know, that, that gives you a little bit of insight and, and happy to dig into that more too. Yeah, totally makes sense. So, how do you how do you think that um, the this class really stacks up in comparison to the last couple classes? I mean, you you've already said you think it's kind of deeper, maybe not quite as um, quite as great at the top. But you know, I I guess the way I read the NFL landscape this year, there's not a lot of good free agent wide receivers available. Uh, there are a lot of teams that feel like they have need at receiver, so. You know, I kind of feel like if, if this class has good depth, that probably matches up pretty well with what the NFL is looking for. And as, you know, you already said, uh, you know, maybe you don't look for as many first-rounders or at least as many early first-rounders to come out of this class. But, um, you know, how do, how do you see this class kind of fitting into the NFL? Yeah, I think the wide receiver class at this point in time is the – is the uh i don't want to say worst understood but i feel like folks don't really have a, a what i would say is a good grasp on this wide receiver class it's a strong wide receiver class it really is i think a lot of folks are discouraged right now because they want to you know find some you know big highlights the one guy at the top that's going to carry the class and i think that's where folks are getting caught right now 
But my wide receiver one is Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, and it's really close. It's, it's JSN. It's Addison is right there with him. Um, and then, you know, we get into Hyatt Downs, Quentin Johnson, Cedric Tillman range. But uh, for, I, I point that out to say that, that I think two years down the road here, we're going to feel like JSN is going to carry this class because he's, he's trading out right now at the same level as some of these other guys like Jordan Addison and Josh Downs, who had four or five years in college, right. To develop JSN is still a very raw player, but his athletic traits give him super upside. He was very productive at Ohio state splitting the field with Garrett Wilson and Chris Alave, who were two of my top wide receivers in last year's class that have clearly made a quick impact in the NFL. So you look at JSN, man, he's raw, but he is fast off the line of scrimmage. He creates speed at all three levels of the field. He's fluid. He has a great catch radius. He's coming in 6-0-200. There's a little bit of versatility there. He played in the slot a lot in college, but I think an NFL team could bump him out wide if they wanted to. I see him as a real moldable wide receiver. So if you can put him in an offense, especially where you can trust the coaching staff, man, he's going to be a really effective player. So I know we were talking Jags earlier. There's some good development opportunity there. Even the new Giants coaching staff has been mocked JSN a lot. Let me ask you this, Matt. So so we're in a we're we're in the hard way uh draft right now, with which is you know just a bunch of sharks, degenerates drafting best ball in, in January. But um he just went in the sixth round between Marquise Brown and Jerry Judy. Or am I reading that wrong? No, sorry, excuse me. That's completely wrong. He went between Marquise Brown and George Pickens uh, at the basically six, seven turn. Is that with what you know about this player, it, the impact you you know are kind of going into the season with? Is that about right? Yeah, I think that's a good value. I'd mark that as a good value. You know, without seeing the rest of the draft board, right? So uh, Pickens right now in, in, in my rookie big board rating is a 7.5, um, which you don't really need to know what that means, but uh, JSN's an 8.1. It's a, there's a tier break in between those numbers for me. So, you know, I would put JSN as, as a good value relative to George Pickens right now. And that's no knock on Pickens. Love it. Yes, nice. that was a good, sorry. I just saw that comment. Um, you know, JSN is probably not going to run a fast 40 time. Mm-hmm. We already know that. That's baked into his evaluation. That's baked into me ranking him a wide receiver one. So the comment was to buy the dip if folks panic after that 4-6. Yes, I agree. We know JSN's not going to burn the 40-yard dash. It's not going to affect his evaluation. Everybody knows that already. Our, 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 our chat, by the way, not only lit, but on top of the ball and and just bunch of savages themselves. So shout out to the chat. Keep the keep the questions coming, guys, in the comments. We love it. So another uh, Ohio State wide receiver, Chris Alave. Uh, I know you were uh, head of market, had him wide receiver one overall last year. Sure uh, did. Post NFL draft. Um, is there a clear wide receiver one that you think, or is it just like uh, like is it is it kind of all over the place in terms of uh, where you're out there? I think you're going to hear a lot of opinions from a lot yeah. of different analysts this year. Uh, plenty of people are going to have Jordan Addison wide receiver one. That's the safe thing to do. Uh, so that, I think that's really where uh, Addison's going to fall. But Addison for me is going to end up a, a good NFL player and a good fantasy player, but he's not going to come with the ceiling of JSN. Um, and then I'm lower on Quentin Johnston than, than most folks in consensus. So you know, JSN's down at five for me, and he very well could end up wide receiver six by the end of this process. So, 
that'll be interesting to track. But I think those are the three names you're going to hear, Smith and Jigba Addison or Quentin Johnston as wide receiver one. But this is a year where we're going to debate it, right? And that's yeah. what makes it fun. That's what creates value. It's not a Jamar Chase year where we know, you know, we knew Chase was going to be wide receiver one. Uh, but but we lean into that volatility, man. We, we lean into it because it creates some nice value in rookie drafts. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's kind of where the value that you provide, Matt, right? Because I think even last year, because right, you named Jamar Chase here, but I think last year was a good debate. We had a number of wide receivers that we all liked. You know, obviously, you know, the, the Alave was a great call. So I, I like hearing that there's kind of like a three, a top three. Um, and, and I agree. I, I kind of had was interested in Quentin Johnston for quite some time, um, but now hoping uh, maybe he's not the guy for the Jags if they do, do go that direction. So uh, he's, he's been kind of slipping down my mental big board for whatever that's worth. Before we pass this on to Dan and, and our tight end premium fiends out there that, that love the FFPC and, and all those uh, those premium leagues, uh, and before we let you round off your, your top 10 receivers, I, I love this question. Um, Stockpile asking, what wide receiver were you, were you high on last year that you anticipate take a bigger leap in year two, a.k.a. two? That's a good question. Um when I'm looking at the wide receivers I was high on, it was Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, and those were all guys that did pretty good in year one. Um, so it kind of, I guess maybe it feels like Is a cop out answer. But... Joe, 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 and I were talking uh, behind the scenes about Jameson Williams. I took him in a draft earlier. Where, where does he fit uh, with these guys? Yeah, that's where I was going to go, and it felt like a cop out answer because he was injured. We knew he was going to be injured, but. You know, I have JMO right now, you know, right in there as wide receiver 12 in my dynasty rankings. It's very close, like 12 to 16 is, you know, actually 12 to 19 is pretty much interchangeable, but he's right there at the top of that. Um, I, I love him in Detroit. I think he's going to be explosive. We can project some nice volume. And Jared Goff, man, he, he's been effective in, in, in putting that offense on the field. And we saw some really close uh, connections, too, with JMO, right, that just didn't end up as touchdowns at the end of the season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in on him for next year for sure. Guys, we're, we're 45 deep. I know your pen is full of notes already, your screen, whatever you're taking them down on. Uh, smash the like, man. We appreciate that. That's all we ask back for, for all this goodness that Matt's bringing and that we, we try to bring you guys to get that edge in your league, win that money. Matt, round off your top 10. Top 10 receivers, count them out, list them out before we go to Dan's favorite position. Yeah, so the guys we haven't talked about, you know, you got Josh Downs there at four. Um, we talked about Cedric Tillman briefly. Big fan of Cedric Tillman. I think he could be that guy that's just sitting there mid-second round of your rookie drafts. We're going to have to see landing spot. Um, but all the way through the process, we've had uh, Tillman identified as a, as a sleepy top five prospect or top 50 prospect. Sorry. So, you know, he could land in, in the mid 40s there. Um, Kayshawn Boutte coming off the board uh, at seven. Parker Washington, nine man, nine on the big board is somebody that I'm going to take a brief moment to harp on. Puka Nakua out of BYU, 6-1-2-10, sleeper alert. All right, so that's one of my guys. You know, when I thought I was getting teed up for the sleeper question, I could go any position, I was going to go Puka. I really like this guy out of BYU. We're talking about somebody with great hands. He's a physical contested catch guy. You can line him up on the boundary. He can go up and make plays happen. But, guys, 25 carries last season as well behind the line of scrimmage. They gave him carries in the end zone. 
Okay, so we're going to see a little maybe Debo Samuel light in terms of what an NFL team could want to use him for. I really like Puka. If it's coming at 205, 206, I'm going to tee up that pick every time in my rookie drafts this year. Um, so big fan of that. And then Marvin Mims is, is, is in that process as well. Nice. So let's let's get into the tight ends. Uh, you know, we any, anybody who listens to this show very long knows that I, I definitely have a fondness for getting my tight ends right. Uh, so, you know, that starts with the rookies. Uh, so take us through this tight end class. I mean, you know, obviously uh, we have we have Michael Meyer uh, up at the top of the class out in Notre Dame and everybody seems to be pretty much in consensus on him. How do you feel about him and who else would uh, would you look at it being as the top of this class? And yeah, just go go from there. Yeah, big fan of Mayer, you know, coming out of Notre Dame. This is a guy that we've had our eye on for a while. 6'4", 249, really nice athlete. He's a two-way tight end, so NFL teams are going to love him with his hand in the ground. Uh, which means he's going to get on the field right away. You know, we're looking at Mayer. Mayer could uh, go as high as, I mean, quite frankly, as high as pick, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12. I think, you know, maybe early teens is more realistic. I doubt he drops past the top 25. I think he, you know, is more likely to go in the teens. So I'm a fan of Mayer. He's going to get that draft capital. I love his ability uh, to, to work routes in the short and midfield he's a nice contested catch guy we saw him targeted a lot in the end zone for notre dame so that gives him some nice fantasy football production upside um and then you know the other guy that that well i wouldn't even say the other guy the next guy up is darnell washington and darnell washington is just a freak man i mean and in the best you know in the best possible way i'm saying that six seven two sixty five uh here's the problem with darnell washington uh, why we have to proceed with a little bit of caution. He's almost too good of a blocker, right? Because, I mean, he is, is a cheat code in terms of how Georgia used him as a blocker. Um, they used him as a lead blocker. They used him as a blocker a lot in the red zone. Um, so I'm almost worried that an NFL team is going to fall in love with that a little bit too much and maybe not give him the volume we want. But he has a, a impressive athleticism. If you, you know, I just said 6'7", 265, you're probably thinking of a, a, you know, a fairly beefed up, you know, uh, maybe an undersized guard, right? No, like this guy is yoked up. All right, he is a a, a lean two sixty five, okay, and he carries that downfield with a large radius, good speed. I really like him as well. So those are the top two guys I think for most. But you know, there's three other guys that you know we could get into depending on how far we want to dig in that I think could have fantasy football relevancy. Do it, man. Uh, do it. Throw him in Matt, there. I mean, this is a slight joke. Are we? Do we have any uh, George Fant worry about uh, Darnell Washington? <laughs> Converted <laughs> offensive line out of nowhere on us. You, I mean, there there has been legitimate, <laughs> um, at least suggestions that they could move uh, Washington to right tackle. That that has yeah. been an actual wow. proposal. So you know, jokingly enough, we got to listen in in Indy to hear if we think at the combine any of these teams are going to be you know, trying to uh, get away with that. Yeah. Uh, but, you but know, digging in a little bit, Dalton back. Kincaid is the next guy I think you're going to hear uh, a lot of folks talk about. You know, I've even seen in mock drafts Kincaid be the first tight end taken off the board from an NFL perspective. I'm not there yet on Kincaid, um, but we're talking about the type of guy you want for fantasy football. So kind of a classic Y type guy, um, you know, he's you're going to use him uh, to catch the ball. 
So he can block, but nowhere to the degree that we're talking about with Mayer and Washington. So if you want to lean into somebody for fantasy football, Kincaid's probably going to be drafted into a two tight end system, but as the guy that's going to go out and run the routes, right? He's athletic, he's fluid, and he can make an impact all over the field. So Utah would line him up split in, hand in the dirt. They would line him up out wide. Kincaid at times would come in and be kind of in like an H-back type situation as well. They really utilized him in a lot of different spots. He makes defenders miss in space. He's dangerous running with the ball in his hands after the catch. So all of these traits here, you know, make him, you know, I was going to say make him a borderline, you know, tight end one in fantasy football. But I mean, isn't almost anybody a borderline tight end one in fantasy football at this point? If Pretty you're not, much. yeah, you know, Are you alive. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. We might be able to try to put up those numbers. So Kincaid certainly fits into that interesting mold. Um, and then the other two guys you're going to hear about is Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State, 6'6, 250, another athletic guy. Uh, he, the reason that we haven't heard a lot of hype on Musgrave is he had a season ending injury after the first two games, but NFL scouts are projecting him in that top 50 range as well, which means he's going to get bumped up draft boards and then a lot of hype around Tucker craft, six, five, out of South Dakota state. I think he's a little more raw than a lot of folks are giving him credit for, but another athletic guy has pass catching upside here. So he comes out uh, a little bit lower in my rankings, but Definitely still a fan and definitely still keeping my eye on Tucker Craft. And guys, just the fact that we can legitimately talk about five tight ends as, as potential fantasy football contributors, obviously we're going to have to let the cards play out as they will, you know, but that's that's exciting in and of itself that we even have the shot at it. Yeah, and, no kidding. No, most years it's nowhere near that good. Exactly. I'm like, let me finesse a second guy to talk about. Yeah. If you have to pick one. Let's say, you know, we talk about uh, on the district often how maybe the tight end is not a, as effective in, in the first season. But if you had to pick one based on what you know about these guys, put in the right situation that can be possibly a league winner or help you win in 2023, which one of these guys or maybe a guy you haven't mentioned at value do you think it could be? Yeah, I would say, you know, Mike Mayer is going to be the guy that yes. I think year one could have that impact. And sure. like Dan said, it seems to be that's that's uh, across the board. So that's that's. Uh, that's in line there. Um, guys, the fun part for all the super flex guys, let, let's jump into the quarterbacks. Um, yeah, kick it off. Give us overall thoughts on the position. Start off with your first guy and then we'll go from you from there. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, it, it's a little bit of a volatile quarterback class. I don't want to say weak because we could look back at this class in three years and think like, damn, we got three good quarterbacks out of the class. Like, And, you know, in any quarterback class, we would take three good quarterbacks, right? So, But there's a lot of volatility there, which means there's a lot of uh, skewing of value. So, you know, uh, QB1 for me is Bryce Young. You know, I have Bryce Young uh, in a pretty good spot right now in Dynasty. He would be right there at QB 10, which is going to put him like kind of right in that Tua range for me. Tua, Dak Prescott range. And, you know, those are guys that I definitely value. I have plenty of exposure to on my fantasy team. So, you know, and, and I should say, you know, the caveat to this conversation is that my evaluation is a full understanding that we're going to be lucky if he comes in at 510. Okay. So 510 is probably the friendly estimate. 
if he comes in at 200 pounds, it means they were just feeding him McDonald's for two weeks straight. All right. And he's not going to run at the combine. So he's probably going to be an actual five, nine and a half, you know, 195. So he's going to have a smaller frame. He's going to be a little bit shorter, but that's baked into things, guys. If he was 6'3, 225, we'd be talking about Bryce Young as the best quarterback prospect in the last decade. You know, maybe Andrew Luck aside. I don't know if my math's off there. JD, you could probably tell me, has it been a decade since Luck came out? Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a decade. It seems like a decade since we've had a decent quarterback. But Doesn't you, it feel like a long time? Uh, it's, it, and that's why I'm really, you know, anxious to kind of get into this section of tonight's show as a, as a Colts fan. So with Bryce Young, is, he, is it just assumed he's going first overall? Because I've heard some of your, uh, your, your mocks where he's not necessarily going to Houston for sure. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any guarantee, especially the fact that the Bears ended up with that top pick. It just adds that chaos factor, right? So, you know, when you look at Young, man, I love his decision-making. I love his his arm talent, right? And there's a difference between arm strength and arm talent. My category is arm talent, and arm strength is part of that. But the ability to adjust, right, your, your, your velocity at different levels of the field, the ability to anticipate, all those things are factored into arm talent. And he has some of the best arm talent we've evaluated here over the last couple of years. Great anticipation, great deep field accuracy. We love seeing that in a prospect. And he's got escapability, okay? I didn't say mobility. He's got escapability. He extends the play, and he can run if he needs to. But he's going to look to throw the ball first. But, you know, all that baked in, J.D., you know, there are teams that may fade him because of his size. You know, there are certain NFL front offices and scouting departments that literally have, um, you know, non-negotiables in terms of the, the this is as small as we will go for this position. You know, quarterback, offensive tackle, edge, you know, we hear all the time the offensive tackle with the arm span, right? And sometimes they get moved into guard because an NFL team just will not draft them based on that trait there will be teams like that so we don't know if houston's like that we don't know necessarily if indianapolis is like that there's some rumors coming out that the colts may be like that and bryce young may be off their board but you know young could go um one to houston that trades up to indy that trades up carolina could trade up atlanta could trade up there's a lot of volatility there i think what we do expect is that at, at two houston will pick a quarterback but now we're even hearing rumors that Houston might be locked in on, on Carr, which is, I just think, hilarious in and of itself. So maybe they would even wait a little bit longer, right? Because Houston's a full rebuild, man. Do you want to dig? Do you want to start the clock on that rookie quarterback contract now? So there's there's no this is a really long way of saying, JD, there's no guarantees other than the fact that we know there's probably going to be three of these guys coming off the board in the top 10 in some order. So how do these guys compare? We you, you see guys like Fields now, you know, kicking off. Pickett started to show well at the end of the season. You got T Law, obviously uh, Andrew, proud Papa of T Law in the playoffs. Uh, you know, uh, showing that he can he can perform at that level in the big games. You, you know, so where where do you fit this class? Some of these top guys versus these guys that we're excited about as we move into twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's a good question. So if you want to, you know, try to compare my, you know, the grades I had these guys as rookies coming out. I mean, T-Law is in a category of his own. T-Law is the highest guy ever graded out on the rookie big board. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> granted, it's only, you know, in, in its current state, we're only like three or four years deep, but highest, highest guy graded out there. Um, and then Justin Fields would be right up there. 
um, above, you know, still above Bryce Young. And then Bryce Young would come in. C.J. Stroud, who we're talking about next, would come in. And then Kenny Pickett would come in under C.J. Stroud. Um, and just about equal to Anthony Richardson, who is the next guy up on my board. Um, and I realize I'm not talking about that class before the, the Burrow uh, Herbert uh, class um, and to a class. So those guys would be mixed in, in in there as well. But I didn't want to get too convoluted. Totally makes sense. What uh, so who are like your your top three passers in this class and who are your top three runners as quarterbacks in this class? Yeah, that's a good that's a really good question. So Bryce Young would be the first passer. C.J. Stroud would be the second best passer. Uh, you know, Stroud has a big arm. It's an effortless throwing motion. Hits all three levels of the field. J.D., this might be the guy you might want to get a little bit more emotionally attached to here because uh, he's got that frame, 6'3", 215 here. Really nice velocity on his ball. Um, and I like his accuracy in the midfield. That's a, that's a trait that we're looking for for the quarterback position. Um, and actually, C.J. Stroud's biggest knock is that he is mobile and he is athletic, but he doesn't want to run. He wants to sit in the pocket. That's been his knock all the way through. And for fantasy football, we know we like when guys run, right? So that'll be an interesting uh, negotiation maybe that's happening when he's doing these interviews and he's telling teams, yeah, no, I will run. I'll run at the next level, you know. And he does. He'll execute designed runs, you know. But if he's passing, he's looking to pass. And then the next best passer... I think we're going down to Hendon Hooker, who's my quarterback five. So we're going to skip over Richardson and Levis. And when you look at Hooker, really consistent mechanics. He's methodical. I call him a high floor, consistent passer, smooth throwing motion, consistent footwork. Um, you know, we could have some conversations about what Hendon Hooker was and was not asked to do in terms of reading the field. But, you know, high completion percentage in his two years at Tennessee high pro production playing in that Josh Heupel offense. So in terms of the top three passers, I would go young Stroud and hooker. Okay. How about, how about for uh, quarterbacks as runners? Who do you, who do you have as your top three there? Yeah, it's going to be Anthony Richardson. Uh, and, and Anthony Richardson is going to be in a tier of his own. And the reason I say that is because uh, Richardson has both, or I should say all three, he has speed, he has athleticism, and he has physicality when he's running the ball. So you look at his ability to, to be elusive. I mean, Richardson is juking guys out of their shoes. He, he is an effective runner in open space. He's fast. He'll, he'll run with SEC linebackers, and he'll outpace them. And he's physical, man. He will take on a linebacker. He's effective in the goal line. You know, if you're talking about, you know, we're hearing all the time through this draft process, so many comps. Will Levis to Anthony, or I'm sorry, uh, Will Levis to uh, Josh Allen. To me, Anthony Richardson profiles much more like Josh Allen to me. You know, in terms of how Josh Allen is used at the red zone at the next level, I could see Anthony Richardson being utilized in a similar way. That's fantasy football money, right? So uh, Richardson to me is in, a, is in a tier of his own as a runner. Um, you'd actually go way down board into a guy like Malik Cunningham in terms of rushing ability. Uh, Cunningham is probably around seven guys slash UDFA guy, but he would actually be the next runner for me, probably not in fantasy territory. Um, and then you would get to Will Levis for me, who you know has a little bit more of that physical running ability. He's not as athletic. He's not as elusive as Anthony Richardson. I would say he's a clear tier down for that. 
but he is physical. You can execute design runs well with him. And he is willing to scramble, probably maybe a little bit too willing to, to give up on that pocket. But, uh, you know, those would be the top three guys for me then in rushing. And, and Hooker Hooker can uh, be very mobile as well. Not as much of a pure runner um, in terms of speed, but he is a good, a good runner as well. Anthony Richardson is absolutely electric. He's the hill that I'm willing to die on in this class. I was uh, – Matt, I mean, I'm sure you saw it. He, I was there for the Florida-LSU game. I, I hate Florida. I'm a Florida State guy. But I was there. I was I was wearing an LSU shirt uh, in, in the Gator Stadium. Dude, they came back from singing Won't Back Down. It was like Tom Petty Day there. And he scrambled for an 81-yard run and just basically broke – at least 13 tackles on the play. <laughs> um, it was it was electric. And then my say, the first pass of the game. So I'm there with my uh, nine year old daughter, and I'm like, "Hey, the only thing that this guy can't do is pass." The first play of the game, he throws like a 50 yard touchdown <laughs> right at the right in the middle of the end zone, right at the po- oh, it was it was like, well, we're uh, you know being you know adopted LSU fan for the day is gonna be a long day for me. And of course, he lost, so it's, so it's all good, no problems there. But, Hey, look, his accuracy problems I can live with because the guy's got a cannon. And I really feel like if you're an NFL guy worth your salt, like you, you can work with the Anthony Richardson tools. And yeah, maybe he gets a, a guy fired here or there uh, in his career for, for not being able to put it together. But let me tell you, as a Florida State fan, he was the only thing that worried me about that Florida team uh, the past couple of years. Dude is electric. Yeah, you know, Anthony Richardson for me, he is the right type of risk to take in your rookie draft, right? You have to lean into risk to win in fantasy football. Take that as your rookie draft. Take that as your startup draft. Take that as, as making trades, right? You need to lean into risk. So it's about understanding the right risk and the right price to take that risk. And you you nailed it. I mean, Richardson has a rocket arm. I mean, 55 yards downfield, easy. And there are some examples on tape of beautiful dimes at, at all levels of the field. Beautiful. All right? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I'm going to circle back to this Malik Willis question because that's a good one. Um, but when we're talking about Richardson then, so you have rocket arm, boom, big check mark for fantasy football, right? And then you have the rushing ability and in that physical rushing ability that pairs with it that's that's boom that's worth the risk here and here's another big check mark that i that i like to put into the process i watched anthony richardson 2021 tape i watched anthony richardson 2022 tape there were improved mechanics between 2021 and 2022 for me at the quarterback position that is a huge plus because it means he's coachable and he's developing I said consistently that I didn't want Richardson to declare because I believe with another year in college football, even though next year's class is loaded, I think he could have been the QB one next year's class. So uh, for me, Richardson is worth leaning into risk wise. Um, I currently have him as eighth overall on the rookie big board. So we're talking about that 108 type pick in a super flex league. That's the right type of risk. That's the price that I'm willing to pay on him. A lot of folks have compared him to Malik Willis, circling back to the, to the Willis question in, in the chat. Um, not at all similar prospects. They're, they're really not similar. Uh, Richardson is a much more developed passer than Willis ever was. Willis was drafted purely on tools. You go back and watch his tape, there was very little upside in terms of uh, mechanical development. 
Richardson's mechanical development in the pocket from year one to year two in terms of a more consistent throwing motion, uh, being more uh, uh, um, uh, disciplined uh, throwing on platform uh, and uh, getting that footwork down a little bit more. Richardson is also much, much more comfortable in the pocket. He is willing to sit in there under pressure where Willis always was trying to do more. Um, and so Richardson's highlights also against SEC film versus uh, Willis, who played with Liberty. Uh, so much lower level of competition. So I would not even put uh, Richardson and Willis on the same tiers in terms of where they where they graded out as prospects. Matt, I'll, I'll continue to Richardson, three inches taller and and, and much bigger and also much bigger, yeah. younger, younger. I think Malik, Malik has like two two years on him. So. Yeah. Um, now, I guess I, I suppose like one, one year when you compare their ages coming out. But um, I mean, I, I don't think it's the best in terms of, again, who knows? I'm guessing here. I'm not in the locker room at Florida. But again, being in Florida, hating Florida, all that business. Um, I can tell you their season didn't go as planned. And um, to your point on staying another year, I quite frankly don't know if they're going to turn it around already this year. And I, I, I don't mean this to be like a whole thing. Like, I, I think that they actually I think he kind of packed it in for whatever that's worth in terms of like not actually like standing in and making throws to where like, I feel like if he was like completely locked in the whole year, that progression that you saw from 21 to 22, I think would have been more, even more pronounced. Like I, I just, I, I just think he was that much better year over year. And I just don't think it really shined through given the whole dynamics around the team. And I, I think that he had his, had his mindset on going pro and kind of uh, had that, uh, I, I got to keep myself safe mentality towards the end. Damn. All right, I'm with Anthony Richardson. I love him. Love. <laughs> I, mean, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, Andrew. Andrew, if you really like him. Andrew's stamp of approval. <laughs> Matt, Matt, we, we've got a couple more questions from the, the chat, and, and to finish this off, how are we on time? And I, I, I didn't even uh, ask you what your, your up was, uh, not to put you on the spot. Uh, no no out for you, J.D. Here for a couple more? All right. Uh, you're the man, brother. That's not not for the GOAT that, listeners. Awesome. Right. We we won't mention that I four peated in your uh your, your what is that tier one? What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's tier one, man. We're I gonna think? make you right. disperse. I'll tell you what, JD. I'll give you another thirty minutes, but you got to disperse that roster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, league's fun, man. It's fun. So, uh, question from the chat, and then we'll uh, we'll round it off with a couple uh, lists uh, for our listeners. We've got uh, Tanner McKee and Jake Hainer. I'm probably spelling. I'm probably uh, pronouncing that wrong. But uh, the couple guys in the chat are, are asking about uh, those prospects. Yeah, we'll start with Tanner McKee. You know, there's a lot of hype around McKee. He's coming in at six six two twenty six. Uh, so he's got the recruiting pedigree too. He was a five star guy. He's coming in a little bit older. I believe he did a two year mission uh, before starting college uh, at Stanford. Uh, large frame. Uh, you know, certainly shows the ability to put the ball where it needs to be in the short and midfield. Uh, sometimes there's good anticipation, uh, some mechanical development from 21 to 22. Uh, but overall, I think McKee is somebody who was hyped pre uh, preseason because he's coming in at 6'6", 226. He's got the frame. I'm not a fan of McKee. Uh, I'm, I have him currently projected as a late day three guy. Um, I'm not hearing a lot of hype around NFL circles anymore on Tanner McKee. I think they've moved on from him, um, and I've moved on from him. I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant. Um, but Jake Hayner is a little bit more upboard for me, so he's my eighth quarterback right now. I know the NFL is, is interested in Jake Hayner. He's a little bit smaller. He's coming in at 6'0", 195, but he's a guy with quick feet, good mechanical foundation, 
He navigates inside and outside the pocket very well. Quick release, smooth throwing motion behind him. Um, you know, he'll work. He's a fun guy to watch because he'll work some improvised arm angles. You know, uh, so I, I call it doing his Mahomes impression at times and, you know, really putting that Fresno State offense on his back. Um, he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. And this is somebody who I think has a really good chance to improve his draft stock at the Senior Bowl. So right now I have Hayner as an early day three guy, so round four or five. I think at the end of the Senior Bowl, he could, you know, make an argument, impress some NFL teams, and slide into being a, a back end top 100 pick. Before we wrap this out, you're talking Senior Bowl. That's one thing I wanted to get, guys. Check out Matt's channel, the Rookie Big Board. They're laying out by position the Senior Bowl prospects you want to be watching. Why don't you give us three to five right now before you tie the bow on the big show? Give us three to five names that people need to keep an eye on. February 4th, Senior Bowl. Who should people be, be watching right now? Fantasyland. Yeah, that's a really, that's a, that's a good one there. Uh, Senior Bowl is such a dynamic opportunity. You know, looking at the running back position, a guy like uh, Chase Brown, I think is going to be, you know, he's somebody we haven't talked about, but I think he could really show out. Chase Brown was super productive for Illinois. Uh, 5'9", 210. He's a smooth runner. Uh, I think he's going to uh, he's got great strength, great contact balance. It can be a little difficult for running backs sometimes to show off at the senior bowl because of the, the way the individual drills work out. But I wanted to throw his name in there. Uh, you know, wide receivers tend to have a little bit better of a time standing out. We've talked about Puka. I think Puka's going to look great, but we won't talk about him again. Uh, wide receiver Rasheed Rice out of SMU 61190. Big highlight play guy. Uh, working in isolation, he's worked really or he's looked really good on tape. And oftentimes at the Senior Bowl, you get those one-on-one -on -one isolation drills. So I could see uh, Rasheed Rice looking really good. The other wide receiver that I'm high on is Charlie Jones out of Purdue. Uh, I think Jones may end up being one of the faster wide receivers. He was really productive in his last year at Purdue. So I think he's going to have the ability to show up to the Senior Bowl, look very technically refined. Um, somebody else who might stand out at the wide receiver position is Darius Davis at a TCU 5'10", 175. Davis is down board for me a little bit. He's 17th at the wide receiver position, um, but he's fast, man. He's very fast. And if you watch the TCU offense, man, anytime Max Duggan was in trouble, and this is going to be a good transition because I'm going to finish with Max Duggan. Uh, anytime Max Duggan was in trouble, he was looking Darius Davis's way. I'm sorry, QJ fans. He wasn't really looking at QJ when he was in trouble. Um, and so Davis, Darius Davis was his reliable guy on the outside. Um, and then, you know, putting a bow on it, Max Duggan, I think, is a quarterback here. 6'2", uh, 201, uh, TCU quarterback. I think he's got those NFL traits, man. I think he comes with those intangibles that a front office is going to like. So I do think Max Duggan goes day two, and I think he could really bump up his draft stock. He's not going to be drafted into being a starter, you know, by any means. Um, but, you know, we see that QB2 position, man. How valuable can it be? How many guys started in the NFL this year? So those are a few guys. You know, I tried to mix up the positions a little bit. Dude, it's all, it's all goodness. I, I wrote so many notes. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, I just, it, you know, it, I, I kind of want to circle back to uh, to Anthony Richardson because I like the way he phrased it, that he said, this is a guy who's who, that it's, it's worth taking the risk on, right? Yeah. So do you have a, a prospect for us from the running backs and wide receivers that you're just dying to take a risk on that you think might, you know, 
might be at a good value. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I feel like we've talked about so many. I'm trying not to double up on guys. Uh, Jalen well, no, Hyatt. No, no, well, you, 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 you already right. talked about him. What's what's yeah, that, him again? But no it just, but it just highlights the the player, right? So don't don't feel yeah. like you're you're doubling down on guys. Okay, okay, so we'll go back to Hyatt. I like Jalen Hyatt a ton. Okay, so we're for Hyatt for me. It starts with speed. You know, he's going to burn in a straight line. He's fast off the line of scrimmage. You put him on the sideline, he's going to accelerate very quickly here. So I think you're looking for Jalen Hyatt to land in an offense where he can play in that flanker role, right? Uh, because you, he can play in the slot. So I've seen a lot of, like, uh, Jalen Hyatt to the Chargers, move him into the slot. Totally fine. But I like him a lot more as a flanker guy on the outside. Um what I love about Hyatt, it's not just his speed. I love Hyatt's release off the line of scrimmage. That's a trait I really love to see. Um, if you can release off of press coverage in the SEC, that's a nice transferable trait to the NFL. I remember uh, the ability to release was one of the reasons I was hyping up Chris Olave so much last year, right? Um, you know, for me, Hyatt's skill set, it's not a one-to-one, but I'm seeing a lot of uh, what folks slept on with Jalen Waddle's skill set. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of that in Jalen Hyatt separates really well downfield. Uh, and with his handwork, he can be very physical near the catch point. He doesn't get jammed. I know I mentioned that already, but he doesn't get jammed downfield. He doesn't get jammed at the line of scrimmage here. Um, so I do. I really like uh, Jalen Hyatt uh, as somebody who uh, currently on the rookie big board, he's one Oh nine. Okay. And I think most folks probably would consider him more in that early second round territory. Um, but, you know, that was the type of value that I got on a guy like Jalen Waddle. Uh, you know, even going back to Justin Jefferson, right? Like, there's always those wide receivers, man, in that back end of the first round that just gets slept on, and I get to soak up the value. So um, I, I really like him uh, at the wide receiver position. And then I know you asked for a running back as well. Um, I'm, I'm trying to see at the point of value, you know, I, I would just circle back to Sharp, who we talked about earlier, Zach Charbonnet. You know, I have him at 15 on the rookie big board. That's uh, 203, if I'm doing my math right. I think most folks are probably considering him more in the back end of the second round range, but I, I like him a lot at the top of the second. Nice. All right, Matt. Matt, this is the moment. This is what people have been waiting for. This is what we, they stayed to the end till – what are 10 players from this class with league winning league winning dog in them to steal a a, a quote from our boy uh, friend of the show carpaccio hold on I love the I love the drum roll, man. All right, well let's we'll do a little uh, recap here, right? The guys that we hit on. Let's see if we can count to ten. <laughs> the guys that we really zoned in on. Bijan Robinson, that's the easy one. All right, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba as the wide receiver one. That's raw with some big upside here. Jalen Hyatt as that slept on wide receiver is number three. Good value even at the back end of the sec or back end of the first. Anthony Richardson number four. We talked about that quarterback in a super flex league taking the right type of risk. Number five, uh, Michael Mayer here, the tight end worth investing in, um, even as high as the back end of the first round. Um, let's see, working here uh, down board, uh, we're doing uh, Puka Nakua, number six here. Love Puka. I think he's going to be a consistent second round guy. I really like him a ton. 
Uh, I only touched on him briefly, but Charlie Jones, number seven. Charlie Jones is somebody I like a lot and could see himself being a riser through the draft process. Number eight, we've talked about Dwayne uh, McBride. I like Dwayne McBride. I think he's going to have that sneaky draft capital right there. Uh, Number nine, we didn't talk about him at all, but I like Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State, 6'3", 210. Hutchinson is somebody whose tape consistently increased over the course of his college career. Well-rounded wideout. I think an NFL team is going to like his size. He pairs that with nice hands and some good athleticism. So that was number nine. And number 10, my man, Eric Gray. I like Eric Gray at value. He might slide all the way to the back end of the third round, uh, but he should definitely be going higher than that. So, you know, different points of the draft there, but uh, 10 guys that I'm definitely, uh, definitely into. Andrew, Andrew took time away from La Quinta's lobby cocktail lounge tonight to hang. So we're going to give him the last question, man. We're going to. Well, so, man, I'm on the Patreon page, Rookie Big Board, three options. Oh, shit. What what option makes the most sense? Talk talk to me about the options real real quick, Matt. I like this. That's a good last question to ask, man. I tell everybody, you know. I like to make it accessible. $6 is the best value, especially now, because at $6, you get both volumes of the rookie guide, the the the, May, the March volume and the May volume. So you get pre-draft, and then you get it the Sunday after the NFL draft, updated with draft landing spots. Uh, but the best value, man, annual subscription right now is 15% off. So coming at the $3 level, it gets you everything. It gets you rankings, Discord access. Uh, guys, if you think I'm just pulling all of this insight that I was reading all night off the top of my head, I'm just reading the notes that are available to everybody uh, on the rookie big board. So, you know, you can get all of that. I try to keep it accessible, guys. Three bucks a month. I feel like, you know, that's a pretty good value to hit. Awesome. Thanks, no, it's, def- it's definitely a value. Guys, you you heard the the, the goodness. I mean, the depth that, that uh, Matt puts in, the, the amount of work he puts in with these rookies to make sure that you guys are exposed, you know, to the right information going into the season, especially going into the off season. Cause this is where you can have that edge, right? Like September, a lot of people are caught up or they're, they're getting caught up. Now is the time to get the edge in your best ball drafts, your dynasty drafts, making the right moves in your dynasty leagues to get the right rookie picks. Right. So you can get some of these guys that move in the draft where you want to move. Matt, remind them one more time where all the goodness is and guys, the Patreon's no joke. You get more than what it's worth. I mean, with six bucks is nothing. You're getting way more than that from it. Just remind them again, Matt, one more time before we close this bad boy out. Yeah, man. First off, Andrew, welcome to the Discord. Just got the notification. You're in already. <laughs> Look at that. He just signed up. He's in the Discord. I'm right not paying attention during the pods. <laughs> I sold him out. I sold him out. Welcome in. Um, oh, and a comment on my hair. Thank you. Yeah, yes. yeah. I love this as well. Hair tips in the Discord. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's patreon.com slash rookie big board. Uh, you also can do rookie big board on YouTube. JD was alluding to that. Rookie big board on your favorite podcast channel. And I'm on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. So all of it, man. Listen, these are the conversations we're having 365, right? I love this this rookie content. It's, it's what I do. It's what I love. So I appreciate being on here, man. It's it's always fun to be in the, in the district. Yeah, we, we love having you. And you're, you're a guy we definitely pay attention to. I'll put it this way. I was not super high on Olave last year. Um, I just couldn't get myself there. But I kept telling myself, you know what? 
Matt Hicks is really high on this guy. <laughs> so I did not let my my uh, my prejudice keep me from drafting him. I'm like, I need to pick this guy up in a couple leagues. And sure enough, very glad I did that. So sometimes, sometimes you, sometimes you got to delegate, right, Dan? Like you're, exactly, you're right? You're you, like, know? you know I what? Know. He's he's got an advantage on me on on this this area here. So yeah, Matt's definitely I, that guy. We just showed you the tip of the iceberg, guys. I, I am I am not a tape watcher. I am no good at it. So you know, I don't even try anymore. I just I I, I trust Matt to go out there and, and watch tape for me because I know he's going to do way better than I can do. So. Dan, Dan, I'm pretty sure I called it video earlier. So it, it's, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm just showing, showing my cards. So I, I love getting guys like John Lobb, uh, Matt Hicks on, especially early to, to give guys like me, you know, kind of that, that inside look on these prospects, these rookies as we move in. And now you can kind of build on that and build your knowledge and keep uh, collecting information. So tonight was a blast, man. Dan, uh, Andrew, any, any last words before we close this thing out? I got I got mine in already. So thank you very much. Guys, tomorrow enjoy member guys, FFPC. Best balls are flying right now. We're we're I got three, four going. Dan and I are in a couple. Uh, Andrew's in there doing the he's taking down the number too early. The best balls are flying. You got Dynasty Orvin. So go check it out. Myffpc.com. And tomorrow night, come back. We're here with Jax Falcone, Dynasty Mastermind. We're gonna talk strategy, rookies, all kinds of goodness. Hopefully we get Theo back. We'll see how that works. Hopefully him and the fam are good. Guys, smash the subscribe, man. Make sure you're here with us all off-season. We're going to keep the goodness tonight. Matt, Hicks, always a pleasure. We appreciate your time and your goodness. We'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's the And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be traded Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Fish Fun time, fellas. Yes, awesome. definitely. Great show, Matt. Yeah, it was great. Appreciate it, Matt. Always. Yeah.